So we're thinking about mothers today, and we're looking at Proverbs 31, which was the basis for our responsive reading. Um, and I, I have to admit, I would be remiss if I didn't point out the obvious and acknowledge the kind of, uh, I don't know, the irony of the fact that here I am, a man preaching on Mother's Day. All right? I just want to get out ahead of this. All right? I recognize that I am a man preaching about women. All right? So I know that it's already kind of ironic. Um, and so I would have had Amanda preach if once upon a time I hadn't gotten sick and she had to fill in for me and she said, never again. So I didn't even try. Um, but that, I have to admit, though, that is one thing that I'm really proud of in our tradition as Nazarenes is that um, we can and we do encourage women to serve in leadership roles, including preaching. Um, and if I had known any female preachers um, available on this day, I might have asked them to preach. But nonetheless, you're stuck with me. So, um, but thinking through this, um, I started thinking about one of my favorite subjects um, that I love. And if you know me, you know how much of a nerd I can be. And I love comic books. And I am thoroughly a child of the 90s in the sense that I grew up on Saturday morning cartoons. Me and Robert, man, grew up on Saturday morning cartoons like Batman, like X-Men, um, and all of these. And those are the things that I enjoyed growing up. And now that I'm somehow Disney's target demographic still at almost 30, um, it's a glorious time to be alive. And so anyway, with that being said, I, the natural um, title for today's sermon was Wonder Woman, right? And so I was thinking about this, and um, I've always carried my love for superheroes through, and so I started thinking and reflecting on some of the female superheroes. And one of my favorites was Batgirl. Um, that was one of the first um, action figures or dolls or whatever you want to call them that I bought Evie when she was probably too little to need a Batgirl doll. I bought her one anyway. So now you can see on the back of her door, we've got one of those shoe organizers with all of her, like, Barbies in it, right? And we've got, like, every Disney princess, right? So we've got Snow White, Sleeping Beauty. Um, we've got uh, we Mulan, Tiana. Um, we've got Merida. We've got Elsa. I mean, it's just all of them, right? Disney has this hook, line, and sinker. And then Batgirl. <laughs> Batgirl and Batman, and Wonder Woman, yeah. But there's definitely things have been tipped one way. Um, so think about Batgirl, some of the others from X-Men, right? You've got um, everybody there. You've also got the Invisible Woman, for those of you who might be a Fantastic Four fan. That's what my mom grew up on. I remember watching the, the old cartoon from the 70s that was Fantastic Four. My mom was like, now that's what I used to watch on Saturday mornings. And, and the Invisible Woman's there. And if you nerd out on the comics like I do, eventually she has kids. And so she is a woman superhero and that is a mom and has kids. And I just thought that was so cool, too. But the, 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 the pinnacle, bar none, is Wonder Woman, right? Um, we saw the box office smash that it was last summer. Um, and she's kind of held up as like this ultimate female superhero. And so in thinking through that, I thought the natural segue... The, the closest thing the Bible has to Wonder Woman is the Proverbs 31 woman, right? The wife of noble character. But I want us to hopefully hear this with a, a little bit of a, a fresh ears, right? Because I'm sure we've probably heard this as this is, the, this is what it means to be a woman, a woman after God. This is what it means to have a, a Christian home, and this is what a, a woman should do, except for a couple things. One, if you follow, if you read the entire book of Proverbs, you'll notice all throughout it's all about wisdom. And wisdom is portrayed as a woman, which 
that just makes sense, right? Um, wisdom is portrayed as a woman. And so this is lady wisdom. We're not talking about Wonder Woman. We're talking about lady wisdom. And so we see here in Proverbs 31, as we're going to read here in a moment, we see that it's another way of talking about if you listen to wisdom, aka if you listen to a woman, you'll get it all figured out, right? Um, if you listen to wisdom, here are the things that flow out of that. Here is how life goes better. Here is how things work out. If you live according, right? All right, now I'm starting to see spouses nudge one another. Perfect, all right? Um, but here's what happens, right? Um, so this isn't just about one superwoman. This isn't about just one Wonder Woman. This is talking about this is what happens when you live according to God's ways, whether you're a woman or a man or not. The other thing I want us to, to hone in on is the fact that the way this is put together in the original Hebrew, this is meant to be like a, like a snapshot. This is supposed to be like a montage, not just of like one woman doing all these things. This is what wisdom looks like in action. This is what happens when women are wise. And so you have all of these snapshots. And it's not meant to be just one woman who does all of these things, but instead it's about women in general doing all of these things. Not one woman who does them all and checks every box but how women are wise when they listen to wisdom, and this is what happens, all right? So I want us to listen to this, hopefully with some fresh ears, a text that maybe you've heard dozens of times, I don't know, but hopefully we can hear it with fresh ears. And so in Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10, this is what it says. It's, um, in my Bible, it's got a little header here. It says that it's the epilogue, and it's the wife of noble character. A wife of noble character who can find, for she is worth more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night, and she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. So this, this is revolutionary for the time. This is saying she conducts her own business. That she goes into the marketplace and she conducts her own business and does it well with the full backing of her husband. Okay? So this is revolutionary. This is progressive for the time. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arm to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She's also filled with compassion from there. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her head. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. And her husband is respected at the city gate, where he stands, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and she sells them. She supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom. Faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and they call her blessed. Her husband also and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. The word of the Lord this morning. So we see here a lot, and it's a big list, and there's a lot in it, right? Um, and so there's staying up late, the lamp never goes out, 
but still getting up while it's still dark, making sure there's not just food for all of the family, but there's food for all of the servants. And somehow in the middle of all this, she finds time to go and conduct business. She buys a vineyard, and if you buy a vineyard, vineyards don't pay off very quickly. A vineyard is a long-term investment. A vineyard is something that you buy for now, and you hope in 10 years it's worked out and it started to turn a profit. This is long-term planning, so much so that she can laugh at winter right? Which you never did back then, right? All it would take was one, one bad turn of the weather, one famine, one failure of the crop, and everybody was in danger. But she's so prepared, she's looked so far ahead, and she's arranged everything just so that there is no need to fear that she can laugh at what the future holds. That's a really big, long list. That's a lot of stuff, and that's a lot of stuff to live up to. And I think sometimes some of the problem with this passage is, um, you might hear this, and you're like, oh no, Proverbs 31, I know where this is going right? And it gets held up as this like impossible standard that women, you should be doing this. And if you can't check all 18 boxes, then you're not a wife of noble character, right? And I want to say today, that ain't how it works, all right? It's important to understand that one, this is wisdom personified. So unless any of you are wisdom personified, all right, I don't expect you to check all 18 boxes, all right? Okay, so nobody announced their wisdom personified. Okay, um, but the other part is that even when we do see this, it's an example. Like I said, it's a montage. It's a, it's a bunch of different clips, a, bu a bunch of different pictures of different women and how they do this, right? Because even back then, it would have been rare for one woman, one woman to do all of these things, right? It would have been hard for one woman to do all of these things. Managing everything at the household to the degree, to the picture that we get, but then also present in the marketplace doing all of that. No, we're seeing a picture of different women doing different things, all in the name, all in the vein of wisdom. And it all has its place. So this, this can't be and should not be used as a tool of oppression, of a way of saying, you don't measure up, you don't do enough, because that's not why it was there. Yes, it does sound like a superhero. Yes, it might sound wonder, like Wonder Woman. And that's something we need to hone in on, is if it sounds like Wonder Woman, right, Wonder Woman's fictional. As much as I hate to think about superheroes not being real, they're fictional, right? They're fictional. They're supposed to be larger than life. They're not supposed to be real. Yeah, they're supposed to bring out the best in us. Yeah, they're something that we should strive to be like, but I'm never going to jump over a tall building in a single bound. As much as I try, it ain't going to happen, all right? No matter how many races I do, it ain't going to happen, all right? And so if we see this, this is the, the Old Testament version of Wonder Woman. I can't expect you to be Wonder Woman. The church can't expect you to be Wonder Woman. It's supposed to bring out the best of you. It's what you're supposed to be aiming for. It's what we're all supposed to be aiming for because Proverbs is to everybody. We can't use it as a way of saying you don't measure up. And so it's no wonder that if this is the superhero, it's no wonder that, that women, that people, that humans have flaws. And no matter what kind of standard we have that comes from Scripture, eventually we are all going to fall short on something. None of us is perfect. We will fall short, which is, uh, ironically, it's almost kind of like our superheroes. Um, no matter, pick your superhero, almost every superhero has a weakness of some sort. We never make our superheroes, we never make the legends, we never make the myths, we never make them perfect. Because if they were perfect, then they'd be boring, and we couldn't relate to them. Even Superman has kryptonite. Even Batman gets outwitted, 
right? And originally, the way Wonder Woman was written, if she got tied up in a certain way, she lost her strength, right? So everybody, even the superheroes have weaknesses, and even they can't check all 18 boxes, if we're being honest. And it's because they have weaknesses, it makes them relatable. It makes us more interested in their stories, not less. And that's why I, I love that idea of even Superman has kryptonite. And we all know that. That's part of, like, the cultural, like, we, it's become its own phrase. Well, you know what my kryptonite is? Ice cream. Right? Like, you know what I'm saying. When I say something like that, you know exactly what I'm getting at. Because even Superman has a weakness. Right? No one is perfect. And so, I think we have to cut our moms a little slack. We have to cut women a little slack. All right? Because if anything, out of the two sexes, they definitely get the higher standard than us men, I have to be honest, right? I don't know anybody has ever asked me, because you're a man, do you think you can have it all, right? But what do we ask our women? What's, what's on the, the cover of the magazines or on the headlines of the newspaper or in the opinion section? Can women have it all, right? It's been the discussion for decades now. I don't know that anybody's asked me if I could have it all, right? Or anybody's accused me of trying to have it all, right? That's, that, that, that's not even part of the discussion. And yet that is part of the discussion when it comes to women and when it comes to things like Proverbs 31 and the standards that we're holding people to. And so what I want to do today is I want to say thank you. Thank you to all the women. Thank you especially to the moms, because without you we wouldn't be here, literally. All right? There would be no us. Okay? But thank you for everything that you do and the, the strength that you have because it's a different kind of strength than what typically gets glorified, I think, in our culture, right? Strength of muscle, strength of conflict, strength of beating the, the other or the bad guy. Um, what I think of when I think of strength, um, it's actually related to the word comfort. Um, we read that passage from Isaiah chapter 66, and it says, like a mother comforts her child, I will comfort you, O Jerusalem. The word comfort, that, that last part of there is fort. And it's actually, if you go, if you trace the word comfort back down to the Latin, that, that is the word that is related to fort, like a stronghold, like someplace you can hold up, someplace that's safe. And so comfort means to strengthen. Literally, when you look at the old roots, it means to strengthen someone else. Com meaning with, like compassion or companion. It's to strengthen with someone. And so that, that's where, as Amanda said in worship, I mean, that's where no one rivals mom, right? I mean, yes, I've, I've got Evie trained well, and it irks Amanda, right? I'm daddy's baby, but by golly, that don't mean nothing when she's sick, right? She goes to mama because she needs comfort. She needs to be strengthened. And because her mama's strong, she becomes strong. And that's how it is with all of us, with our moms, but also with God. See, because we don't, we don't always see them. We don't, they're not as numerous as our Heavenly Father is the male image, but there is also female imagery in the Bible, and that's what we highlighted today. We highlighted Psalm 139, Isaiah 66. There's others. Jesus says, right? Jesus says, looking at Jerusalem and mourning, how I wish I could gather you together under my wings like a mother hen, right? God created them. Male and female, he created them. He created them both in his image. And so we have a lot to learn from the, the female imagery of God. I want us to take a look at a picture here. 
Um, this is a, a pretty famous painting. It's actually part of a famous painting. I, I, it's cropped down here so you can see. This is um, Rembrandt's painting of the return of the prodigal son, right? And what I cropped out was the older son. The older son standing off to the side like, like he ate a bunch of sour grapes, right? He's mad because the kid came back and he's getting the party, right? But what I really want to focus in on is here is the dad. The dad is um, the, the image, the, the part of the parable that, that refers to God, right? God the Father. But if you look really close, the, the, the great thing about, about Rembrandt's painting is the details and the details matter. And there's, there's literal like doctoral theses written on these things. But if you, if you pay really attention, which is kind of hard to tell because of how big the picture has to be, um, the left hand looks different than the right hand. And you can go home and Google this and look it up later if you want to, if you don't believe me. But the left hand is bigger and it's a little more muscular. It's a little more veiny, okay? It looks more traditionally male. But that right hand, that right hand is a little smaller, it's a little more dainty, fingers are a little longer, it's a little smoother, and it looks more like a woman's hand, not a, not a man's hand, okay? And Rembrandt painted it this way on purpose, it said, to, to show both aspects of God welcoming home the prodigal son. The, the traditional male picture of strength, right? Um, but also the female picture of comforting and welcoming the son back home. And so even here, Rembrandt, being the, the master that he is, painted in such a way to show both in the, the, the father of the story of the prodigal son, which goes to show we need both, right? We, are, we need both mom and dad involved in our lives as much as we can, whether it's our, our literal biological mother and our little, literal biological father, or we have those mentors, right? We have those adoptive parents, we have that, that spiritual mother, that spiritual father. We need both presence in our lives. And just as a mother comforts her son, comforts her daughter, comfort meaning giving strength to, we all as the children of God, we draw our strength from God. We, yes, we say God the Father, but the way I think in which he comforts us, in which he gives us strength, in which his spirit lives in us, it's in God in which we live and move and have our being, to quote from Acts. That's a very mother kind of way of doing it, in which we draw strength from his strength. And because he is strong, we are strong. And so the natural question for us today, right, as I end, try to end every sermon is, what do you do with this, right? So it's not just nice, warm fuzzies. So it's not just, woo, yay, I heard the Bible preached today. But how do you live it? What does it mean for this afternoon? What does it mean for tomorrow? What does it mean for Tuesday at 3 p.m.? Um, how do you put this into action? And I, I think the way you put this into action is this week you've got to reach out to mom. And now what I mean by this is one of several things. Because the way I see it, some of you um, have a really good relationship with your mom and your mom is still with us. And in that case, what you do this week will probably just look like a normal week whether you'll shoot her a call or a text, whether you'll just stop by and check in just because, right? If you've got a good relationship with your mom, that's great, and that's fantastic. And I think that's the way things should be. But maybe you don't. Maybe you're estranged from your mom. Maybe your relationship with your mom is, is strained, and it's not where it should be. Maybe there's baggage. Maybe there's past there. And I don't know everybody's situation, but I would say, reach out. Even if it's just a simple hi, 
even if it's just making contact after having not made contact for so long. Or maybe it's taking one small step towards forgiveness. You don't need the other person to say sorry for you to forgive them. Forgive them's all on you. Forgiveness is all something you do. And just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you're condoning their actions either. Because maybe the, the hurt is legitimate. And maybe you have been wronged. You can still forgive. You can still forgive and, and still have a boundary there. Boundaries don't mean you can't forgive. But holding a grudge only hurts yourself. I've always heard that, that having a grudge is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to get hurt. Right? That's how that works. That's why we have to forgive, whether they deserve it or not, or whether they've asked for it or not, or whether they've even said they're sorry. So maybe for you, reaching out to mom is forgiveness of something that's happened, letting go of a grudge. Now, some of us, we don't have our moms with us, and I, I admit, I do not know that pain, and I cannot imagine it. And you don't have, your mom's not around anymore, and I just, I can only say I'm sorry. That makes today hard, and I want to recognize that. Hard in a way that I can't pretend to understand. But I think we can still reach out to mom. Maybe that means stopping by the cemetery. Maybe that means placing some flowers. Maybe that just means sitting today with some friends or family and reflecting on, on happy memories you have with your mom. That's assuming your relationship was, was good. But we all know that not all relationships end with death on good terms. And so maybe you need to reach out to mom, even though she's not with us anymore, and even though you weren't on speaking terms. Maybe you still need to forgive. Maybe you still need to let something go. Maybe it's choosing to find, even as hard as it might be, maybe it means looking hard to find a good memory to share when all that comes in those first few minutes of reflection are bad ones, it's keeping going. It's fighting through and finding a good memory to share anyway. Maybe that's what it means to reach out to mom this week. Whatever it is, I hope in some way, shape, or form, you reach out to your mom this week, whether she's still with us or maybe she's not. Um, Mother's Day is a day to honor our mothers, regardless of the relationship we've had with them, regardless of where they may live, or even if they've gone before us. And so I, I hope that you hear a message from Proverbs 31 as a way that holds up a superhero to us all, the superhero lady wisdom that calls us all to our, the better things that God has, has put in our hearts and in our spirits and in our souls and in such a way that, that we can recognize them in our own mothers and that we can say thank you to mothers everywhere for their strength that they give us each and every day. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for mothers. Thank you for the strength they show us each and every day. Thank you for their examples as they've gone before. Hopefully a good example, but sometimes not so good examples, sometimes downright bad examples. And so as we go from this place today, may we reach out to our mothers. May we extend an olive branch. May we just stop by and visit. Or maybe we don't have those opportunities, so instead we let go of grudges or we remember happy memories.
Father, may we learn to say thank you for the moms in our lives, whether our biological mothers, our spiritual mothers, our mentors. Um, may we simply say thank you for their strength that have made us who we are today. So go with us now as we gather together, as we celebrate with friends and family. And may we always be awake to the reality that you are living in us and it's your spirit we carry with us wherever we go. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go in grace and peace.